Anna is my friend from Indonesia. She's from the village of Rakabanga, Rukabanga, something like that. And it's a real village for sure. When I first saw her, she didn't speak English and I didn't speak Indonesian. We just said, Salaam Alaikum. And then she started crying and then I started crying. So we were both crying. I don't know why she was crying. I was just crying because she was crying. <laughs> we were both crying. This is episode seven, Pilgrimage. Oh, I met Anna through Abdul, who we knew for a really long time. He's from Syria, and he was introducing her to us because she was looking for a place to live, and I happened to have an apartment available. So that's how we became buds. We were talking one day, and she was saying that she wanted me to go to Indonesia with her. So then I said, well, no, Anna, I can't go to Indonesia because I can't spend money for a long-distance trip like that, and I haven't been on Hajj. So then she said, okay, I'll go Hajj too. So I said, all right, we go to Hajj together. So I said, okay, after we go to Hajj, then I'll go to Indonesia with you. And she said, okay. So Hajj is one of the pillars of Islam, which is to travel to the holy city of Mecca and to do the rituals that are included in going. is a particular month, Islamic month, for the travel. I had been trying to get to Hajj, even with my youngest daughter. Her and I tried several times. And every time we tried to do it, it didn't work because one time she was, she was just 18 and then she was 21. We were going to go with the same group, but Saudi Arabian government literally called me and asked me, was the person taking us related to her, which she wasn't. And so therefore she wasn't allowed to go. So I couldn't do it then. This was an opportunity that I had to go. And it just was the time that Allah had provided for me to go, I believe. So we wound up going to Hajj that year, 2018. And a man in Delaware had a trip. So we went with him and Anna has her Indonesian passport and everything. But the thing was, she didn't speak very much English. And so therefore I had to make sure that I was with her. You know, I had to kind of stick with her to help her out you know, getting her passport through and things like that. Hajj is not that long, it's, it's a couple of days long, but usually people go for maybe one or two weeks. Some people go to different places before they go to Hajj and then go to Hajj. Some people go to Hajj and then go to different places after that. We went to Turkey and then from Turkey, we went to Medina, which is another city in Saudi Arabia. I had already made Umrah to, to Mecca before by myself when I was younger. So I kind of knew about Mecca, but Mecca was different then because it was long ago. And at that time, they still had the old transportation system, they had old buses. You still went up and down the mountains to get into Mecca. I had never been to Medina. So this time we went to Medina, which is a very nice city, small. However, I couldn't travel as well because I wasn't with my husband. So, you know, I was limited to a point of going to places because I can go to just any place. And I wound up meeting somebody in a, like a little mall area and he had a store. 
Mahmoud. Mahmoud and I became merchants together because it was like eight sisters would be. We were all buying stuff. And I was like, Mahmoud, you give her this deal. All right, this reals. She wants this for this many reals and this for that much reals. He was like, yes, Sister Miriam. I said, okay, Mahmoud. So him and I became kind of fast buddies in Medina. And from Medina, we went to Mecca, to the Holy City, and then we performed the pilgrimage of Hajj. So we came back, and I think Anna was trying to go to Indonesia right away. <laughs> so I, in my mind, you know, when I first said it to her, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. But then after I thought about it, I was like, do I really want to go to Indonesia? Because it's like a million miles away. It's farther than going for Hajj. But the reason I really went is because she hadn't seen her family in 20 years. Because she doesn't speak a lot of English, we still never came to understanding how she really got here. But her daughter grew up without her. And her mother had just passed away that year, not too long after that. So we talked and she was saying that she wanted to go for a month. And I was like, oh, cool, that's a month. Let me look it up. Let me see how it looks. I looked online. I saw these nice little green little trees, stuff like that. And I was like, ooh, this is nice. Okay, I can do this. Then I looked up the train. The train was supposed to come, you know, near where they was at. I figured if I get some problems, I'll get the train. So her and I get it together, and then we, we get our tickets. And then off we go to Indonesia. Fortunately, we stopped in Doha on the way for like a night, and then we went from there to Indonesia in Doha. We got on the flight and the pilot gets on. He says, oh, it's 13 more hours before we get. And I looked at the stewards, I miss. He said, 13 hours. She said, oh yeah, it usually takes about 13 hours. That was the second flight, it was 13 hours. The first one I think was 10. So we get to Jakarta, her son-in-law and her daughter and the little girl, one of her little granddaughters came to the airport to pick us up. And it was night by the time we got there. Well, what I didn't know, Jakarta to the village that she lives in, that is three hours ride from the airport. So after traveling, the hours we traveled, we had to travel another three hours to get to where her village was. We got to her village and it looked like what I saw, but it wasn't exactly like what I saw because you just saw the little flowers on the video, but they had chickens walking around like birds. I don't know who they belong to, but they were everywhere. Well, everybody in the village knew I was there. I don't know. Maybe the word got out. I don't know. Anna, her mother's house was turned into a school. And then next to her mother's house, they built another house. They had the masjid in it. But she's the only one in the village that had a two-story house. Everybody else had one story. So upstairs in her house, there was at least four to five bedrooms. So she had a bedroom and I had a bedroom and the other ones were just empty. And they made a bathroom for us with a toilet. They had no kind of air conditioning anywhere. No air conditioning. They did not use air conditioning. Even in the official buildings, they did not use air conditioning. And it was quite hot. <laughs> the one good thing that was there is the second floor had a porch. I went upstairs and got on that porch. Whatever breeze I could catch, I was catching it. And then they didn't have Wi-Fi. They call it Wi-Fi. They didn't understand what I was saying. I, then when they said Wi-Fi, I was like, oh, Wi-Fi. No, that's Wi-Fi. And the only way I could get that is being near her daughter's cell phone. Her cell phone was with her. So that meant that I didn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> 
I met the owner of one of the schools and they had air conditioning. I was just so happy they invited us in. And she said to me, would you like to spend the night? And I looked at Anna and I looked at the lady and I said, no, thank you. But I really wanted to, but it wouldn't have done me no good. One night of air conditioning ain't gonna make a big difference. I had an oscillating fan though that I was grateful for. The kids are free to walk around. Everybody knows everybody. It's like not a lot of strangers. So I got to know a little girl used to wave to me when I was on the porch. She used to come out of her house every day and look up there and wave. Of course, I had to wave back. And the children are very respectful, very respectful. And they're very respectful to their teachers. They literally kiss your hand in such a respectful manner that uh, I would like to have brought a few of them home. <laughs> they have tar trees, pineapples, watermelon. Oh, and they have mango trees. If you ever saw that movie where the guy has the, the soccer ball, well, that mango, that was my freedom. Every day I looked at that mango swinging from the tree like, hey, mango, how you doing? You're still there. He didn't fall the whole time. I was like, okay. And they make rice everything. And I ate quite a bit of rice till I just told them no more rice. I don't want any more rice. They don't have cabs. They don't have trains. The train they had goes through the town. It doesn't stop in the town. I did see that several times fly by. They have motorbikes and that's their transportation and they transport everything on them. They transport lambs, hardware, children, furniture, you name it, they have them on it. They, they all share the same road. So the bikes, the cars, the truck, people walking share the same road. Anyway, I tried to leave the village and that was not a success at all. I'm walking up the road and her sister-in-law shows up at the top of the road. And she's like talking to me like, where was I going? Where, why are you going? What are you doing? Go back, go back, go back. And I'm like, is this a video? Is a movie or something? Is something spooky coming up or something that I can? I said, no, I'm not going back. I know what I'm doing. I'm okay. I'm a grown. I can walk. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Like, so she follows me everywhere. So it was really nothing to do. But the thing was, it was like, just sort of like alleys. They weren't like streets. They were dirt. It, there was no paving of them. And the cars barely could make it down there. So most people had motorbikes that traveled up and down and I couldn't ride a motorbike. I didn't know how to ride a motorbike and I wasn't gonna to try to attempt it at that point. So I was kind of stuck in the village <laughs> for a month. <laughs> there, the women don't go to, to Juma, which is Friday prayer here in the United States. Some places, I guess women don't go, but most places women can go to Juma. There, only men go to Juma. So that was very disappointing and I, I don't know why I didn't check that. But that was a restriction, along with not being able to move around. We got around with her son-in-law when he got a car. And this village is like, you ride from one end of the village to the other. And there's no stop signs, there's no lights, there's no signal. You just go for it. If you can get out, you get out. And at the end of the village, when you're getting out, they have these guys with these little flag, and they'll help you get out of the street. They're not officials, they just help you. So everybody gives them money and they help you get out of the street so you can get around to the next road. Unfortunately, her brother was sick and he couldn't even talk when we got there. I think the day we got there, he literally died the next day or the day after that. So she got to see her brother before he passed away. 
One day, Anna gave all the women a dollar. Everybody had a dollar and something else with it. And they were just so happy to have that one dollar. And I was just like, oh, alhamdulillah. So you see what you have and you see what other people don't have. And they weren't unhappy about what they had. Actually, they have nice mountain resorts with warm springs and stuff, which I didn't know. So they decided we're going to take you to like a getaway park. Tourists come there, those people from China, different countries. So they took us there and the kids went down into this little thing where they got on horses. And Anna and I, they have a thing where you put your feet in it, you have rocks in the bottom, it's naturally warm. So you can walk in it and you can feel the heat inside the water. It's clear water, it's clear, it's clean. So we came out and then we walked around a little bit. And then I was sitting there with Anna and all of a sudden it felt like somebody took two needles and stabbed them in my shoulder. I could feel it, there's nothing I could do. I started screaming, Anna, get it, Anna, get it, get it, Anna, get it. She took her hand and just smushed the bug with her hand. Now I'm thinking, now what the heck, I mean, am I going to make it through this thing or not? So in the meantime, I realized there was like a, a medical place when we first walked in, like a first aid place. So I went up to the front office and I said, for anybody speak English, I need the first aid. I'm going with the lady. She's taking me over to the first aid place. And Anna's son is saying, where's sister? Where's sister? Where's sister? I was at the first aid place before he could find out where I was. A doctor came out and then he looked at it and he gave me this uh, tube of medicine to put on there. And he said, I could see the doctor later. So I guess they thought we were staying at the resort, but we were not. And then the lady, she took a picture of it to show me. It looked like two mosquito bites. And I'm thinking, I don't know what kind of bug this is. You know, and I'm like, is it poisonous? What? They were like very nonchalant. So he also gave me some pills to take along with the ointment. We went to eat and that thing was still like stinging my, my shoulder. The stinger was being like, it was like an inch into my skin. And they're all calm. They're just eating. I looked it up and I think they knew what it was. I never really found out exactly what they were talking about, but it didn't take me out. <laughs> Near the end of the trip, what I was doing, I was counting days. They called a prayer, you hear it every day, for every salat. So they started getting to the point where I said, okay, this day is over. That means I only have 10 more days after it'll be nine days, and then it'll be eight days. So it was like narrowing it down. And then I said, wow, we can go to Jakarta early. It took me a while to think of that. So I told her and I told her son-in-law, I said, we're going to Jakarta the day before. And she was like, what? I was like, we're going to Jakarta the day before. So we did wind up going to Jakarta the day before and staying in a really nice hotel. I said, hmm, now I know. <laughs> really, all of the other stuff, I mean, it didn't really matter because the whole thing was for her to see her family. So that in itself was a nice thing to see. And when Anna got back, we landed at the airport and I said, Hannah, look, it's South Philly. <laughs> Back to Philly, look. She said, I miss America. <laughs> I said, I know you do. <laughs> this has been For Colorful Girls. Sending a huge thank you to my mom for sharing her travel stories on this episode. Also, we want to send another huge thank you to everyone who's listened to this season, The Travelers. Thank you for taking this journey with us. We're excited for season two and can't wait to share that with you. Sound effects from freesound.org and the World Federation. 
music license from soundstripe.com. See more information about the sounds and songs that we use, along with transcripts for each episode, visit fourcolorfulgirls.com. As always, thank you for listening.